Cade Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Hello and welcome. Falta Dave Galair to the Letter from Ireland show, Series 5, Episode 4. I hope everybody is feeling well, or as we say in Irish, feeling gomah, G-O-M-A-I-T-H. And you're looking forward to another exciting show where we travel in the footsteps of our Irish ancestors, discovering and sharing about their lives and times. Before we start into today's show, I'd like to remind you that you can see all the links in the show notes at aletterfromireland.com forward slash 504. So all the links we mention are in the show notes at aletterfromireland.com forward slash 504. And don't worry, I'll mention the link again later in and on the show. Maybe you're wondering, what have we got in store for you today? Well, the clue is in the name of our show, A Letter from Ireland, because today we, I say we, as Mike is here in the studio with me. Welcome, Mike. Falta. Delighted to be here. Mike, you and I did some picking and we picked out two letters from Ireland from the hundreds of free weekly letters from Ireland that you've been writing diligently, I might say, every Sunday over the last almost six years now. We've chosen two special letters for today's show. But what's so special about these two letters that we're going to chat through, Mike? I think our listeners would love to hear from your thoughts there. Well, Karina, I mean, many of the readers of The Letter from Ireland, and if, if actually the reason members join us in the Green Room for our specialist help, is because we often address the difficulty of locating where your ancestors come from in Ireland. Now, we help Green Room members to avoid the common mistake of picking the incorrect home place in Ireland. You see, unfortunately, many people have ancestral records that don't really offer a clue as to where their Irish ancestors originated. And, you know, sometimes people get frustrated with that situation. They take a best guess as to where and aren't they lived. And, you know, sometimes they're right to make this leap across and sometimes they get lucky. But other times it's worth retreating back to an ancestor's place of immigration. So, in other words, where they lived when they first immigrated for a second look at the local records in that area and to look for clues that would help pinpoint an exact origin in Ireland. This helps avoid the mistake of reaching out to an incorrect home place and indeed relatives back in Ireland. Sounds like great advice there, Mike. So listen here now to our first letter today that Mike wrote to John O'Neill, a member of our green room, to help him to flesh out as much detail and context as possible in America before he made that leap back across to Ireland. The letter is laid out in a dialogue between Mike and Jim, illustrating the help we give green room members hoping to make that connection back to Ireland. And the letter is aptly called Making the Leap Back to Ireland. I'll read Jim's part as he and Mike set about the search for his O'Neill ancestors. My name is Robert James O'Neill Jr. and I go by Jim. I live in the Willamette Valley of Oregon, USA, near the city of Eugene. I've been tracing my family history for about a year, but have been interested in my ancestry for a long time before that. Nice to meet you, Jim. Uh, I visited the Willamette Valley back in the 90s and it's the most beautiful part of the world. 
Yeah, the ancestors that emigrated to America, that was my paternal great grandfather, Lawrence O'Neill. And he was born in 1833 in the Emily Parish in County Tipperary. We believe that his parents were John O'Neill and Mary Adams, and they were farmers in the Emily area town of Ballyhome. Okay, let's slow things down a little bit there, because when I hear the word believe, I'm always curious as to where this belief came from. Maybe you have some documentary proof, but I often advise our Greenroom members to flesh out as much detail and context as possible in the country of immigration before making a leap back to Ireland. So in this case, I'm going to examine some details of Lawrence and his family in Wisconsin and see how that can help to make a best guess on the location of your O'Neill back in Ireland. Well, Mike, we're not sure when Lawrence left Ireland, but he first went to Ontario, Canada, and then into the state of Wisconsin, USA, sometime after that. We do have a record of him being married in Wisconsin in 1864 to Martha Jane Churchill. I'd really like to find more information about his family and previous generations. Okay, so let's start in Wisconsin. Now, here are some details I discovered from the federal census of the area. And we're going to start with 1870. And at that stage, Lawrence is there and he's aged 37, living in Port of Wisconsin, alongside his wife, Martha, who is aged 23 and noted as born in Canada, Charles, aged five, born in Wisconsin, and John, aged three, also born in Wisconsin. Now, if we look at the full page, they live close to two families of Churchill's and the head of the nearest Churchill family was born in Ireland. So that's the 1870 entrance uh, entrance uh, in the actual uh, Wisconsin federal census. But let's jump forward 10 years now and see if we can see the family there again. Okay, here we go. So in 1880, 10 years later, the O'Neill family noted above uh, they're joined by more children. We have a Mary, age three, and a Joseph, age six months, and various Churchill families still live nearby. Now, if we look at further records, I can see that the O'Neills had one further son, uh, which we look, yeah, not in the census, but elsewhere, a Mert Leo in 1822. Oh, and that's, is that 1882 there, Mike? Thanks, Green. It's 1882. And Lawrence O'Neill also died that year. So let's kind of think about what we have so far. Uh, the big question is, how did the Churchill and O'Neill families come to be in the area come 1870? Well, let's jump back to the 1860 census. So, yes, there we go. So in 1860, Martha Churchill is aged 13 and living in Porter, Wisconsin with her family, including her parents, Joseph and Jane, who were both born in Ireland. And, however, there's also, and here we go, there's also an L. O'Neill, I wonder if that's Lawrence, in the household, who's aged 28 and born in Ireland. Yeah, I think this would appear to be the later Lawrence O'Neill. At that point, he's a boarder or farm worker, and, of course, he went on to marry one of the daughters in the household. That was quite a common occurrence, wasn't it, Mike, where somebody was boarding in the house with a family and they may have ended up marrying into the family. I think the phrase, Korean is you take the food that's on your plate. <laughs> and that, of course, is a good reason to look back into the records to see what's been happening with the people before they're married. 
Yeah, I mean, that's it, Karina, because, you know, taking the actual census, let's say in this case in the USA, uh, when you start to actually thread the census back 10 years and forward 10 years, you start to see a story just like that. But also you start to see mismatching information or matching information and questions start to become more evident as to what you're missing. Uh, maybe you're seeing possibilities, maybe you're seeing probabilities, maybe you're seeing facts. And that's what we're dealing with here. So, for example, if we go back as far as we can in this case, we find the 1850 census and the various Churchill families, they're already in the area, but there's no sign of Lawrence O'Neill in the neighborhood at that point. So he obviously, well not obviously, but it appears that he arrived uh, in that vicinity somewhere between 1850 and 1860 and started to work and became a member of the household, as we point out there as either a boarder or an actual worker in the household. So would you have some thoughts and suggestions for Jim going forward there? Yeah, I I think it's kind of interesting because there are a few things. And if we just start by saying, well, first of all, I think the Churchill family's origin Ireland may provide some clues as to the origin of Lawrence O'Neill, the origin of Lawrence O'Neill. You see, families often took in friends and relatives who they knew back in Ireland. And sometimes it was as simple as somebody who came from the same general location or had the same accent. Uh, yeah, and Jim also mentioned that Lawrence went first to Canada from Ireland. And that's, of course, where the Churchills came through there as well. So did he know the Churchills in Canada? That's a question. Mm-hmm. Now, the other point I want to make is the name Lawrence, L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E, is often spelled as Lawrence, L-A-U-R-E-N-C-E in Ireland. And this first name is almost exclusively used in the counties of Ireland in the southern half of the island rather than the northern half. It's very, very common uh, down there. So that's another hint as to what the origin might be for our Lawrence. Now, moving on, another thought would be there are many unconnected O'Neill clans in Ireland. Sometimes people say my guy is O'Neill, so therefore, you know, they're from Tyrone, for example, the most famous O'Neill clan of them all. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Niall was a very, very uh, popular first name, and that actually became a surname in many unconnected parts of Ireland. And so in this case, we're kind of saying because of the Lawrence, it's probable that uh, Jim's Lawrence came from a county in Munster or Leinster, that it was the southern half of the island. Now, the other thought, Karina, is that the name Mert, M-U-R-T, which you mentioned, springs up a few time, few times in Jim's family tree. This is short for Murta typically, and it was used in many families in Ireland indeed to this day, again, mostly in the counties of Munster and Leinster. So again, you're moving towards special certain counties in Ireland there, Mike, using the the names and the surnames. Yeah, and again, remember, these are guesses, these are possibilities. But you know, they do start to give you distinct ideas of where to start with your searches, or indeed rule out guesses you may previously have, as in, you know what, that's probably unlikely because of this fact. So the other thing I want to point out from the federal census is the name of the eldest child of Lawrence and Martha is Charles. And this would suggest that the father of Lawrence may have also been called Charles using Irish naming patterns. And naming patterns are a real, real useful way of actually taking educated guesses as to what the uh, names of maternal, the well, maternal grandparents might have been. Uh, based upon offspring name so you know that's another thing we actually say well let's let's look for a Charles and see if that's there somewhere and finally thought there is it's important to share the religions as well because 
you know, both the Churchill family and the O'Neills, because that will provide, not because we're interested in were you this religion or that religion, just for its own sake, but because it actually provides concrete evidence, concrete pointers uh, inside the records as to what were likely the origins of the Churchill and O'Neill families in Ireland. So I look forward to investigating further uh, with the help of Jay McGarvey and Pam Holland. That sounds great, Mike. So back to Jim. I have also O'Neill ancestors on my mother's side. In tracing back, I found that the ancestor on that side that emigrated to the USA was Major General Sir William Henry Johnson, my fifth great-grandfather. And he was born in Smithtown County Meath in 1715, came to the US in 1738 and was a major figure in colonial America, Mike. What a great connection to have. You know, O'Neill, as I mentioned, is a very prominent name in the, both not just Ulster, but also the Midlands of Ireland, which was an ancient branch indeed of the O'Neills of Ulster. Well, in tracing back his parents, I discovered that his father's name was Sir Christopher McShane O'Neill Johnson. And to my surprise, I realised that Johnsons in my family are descended from the McShane O'Neills of Ulster. So I researched how the McShane name was anglicised to Johnson. And with more research, I discovered that even further back, my family also included St. Oliver Plunkett, who was my ninth great uncle, Shane the Proud O'Neill who was my 12th great-grandfather, and so on. So then we went back as far as Con Phelan Bacoc O'Neill, who was the 13th great-grandfather, and many others. In that line, I was able to trace back as far as 1365, Mike. Oh, good for you, Jim. And, you know, just on one point there, yeah, Johnson, John, son, and Mock, Shane, in other words, son of Shane or Sean, they actually mean the same thing. So you could say Johnson and McShane have exactly the same meanings. Uh, McShane, by the way, in Ireland is more often anglicised as McKeown, uh, based upon the way it is actually spelt in Ireland. Now, once you have a definite lead back to a person such as Sir Christopher you mentioned above, that could be very useful because they're, then their existing genealogy records can take over. Yes, my wife and I were in Ireland in September for over two weeks and we had a wonderful time. We spent three nights in Dungannon and we visited Shane's Castle near Randallstown on the north shores of Loch Ney. And both Dungannon Castle and Shane's Castle were shown in my ancestry research as being the location of several births and deaths in my family. We also visited Giant's Causeway on the north coast before travelling for several more days around the island, visiting many castles and other historic sites. So we loved Ireland and we wish we had more time there. Good for you. And how nice that you visited the parts of Ireland you feel most strongly connected with through family ties. Now perhaps when you make those further ties with your O'Neill and Churchill family connections, you can revisit. Well, as I said before, my greatest desire is to revisit, but to find out more information about my great-grandfather, Lawrence O'Neill, and where did he emigrate, and what happened to his six siblings? What about his father, John, and mother, Mary? And I hope that's not too much information, but I really appreciate your help, Mike, and also the help that you've given me above. Lots of avenues there to search. Okay, now, Jim, the, the main thing here, as I mentioned above, is I think it would be prudent to put your best guess at the top of the letter as to the parents of Lawrence to one side for the time being and work on expanding more on the locations and life of the O'Neill and Churchills uh, in, in the USA. Thank you. From Robert Jim O'Neill. Thanks, Jim, and I look forward to hearing more and discovering more here in the Green Room.
Now, aren't we off to a great start there with that letter from Jim O'Neill? And thanks very much, Mike, for that advice as well, that it would be prudent to put the best guess as to the parents of Lawrence to one side for the time being and to start work on expanding more on the locations and the life of the O'Neills and Churchills right there in the USA. I had a look at the progress in the green room and I see that Jim has taken up your advice, Mike, and he's already requested and received some information from Jane McGarvey, our genealogist there, and other members too. And he's looking into ship's records information for his great-grandfather, Lawrence O'Neill. So lots of help available there, Jim, and I look forward to hearing more and following your exciting journey inside the green room. Now, a quick reminder again that all the links from this letter uh, are at a letter from Ireland.com forward slash five zero four. Are you ready for letter two? Well, next up we have our letter Where should you start the search for an Irish ancestor? Many Green Room members and readers found this letter very helpful as Mike places great emphasis once again on the importance of examining the records you have in your home country before you go searching for relevant Irish records. Where should you start the search for an Irish ancestor? In today's letter, we listen to the story of one of our members, Catherine Clifford. We were provided with lots of information about the origin of her Irish ancestors in County Kerry in the early 1800s. However, I want to use this letter, just like Jim in the previous letter, to point out just how important it is to fully examine the records at your disposal in your home country before making the leap back across the pond to uncover relevant Irish records. So in this case, Catherine may be absolutely correct with the Irish marriage and baptism records, and you see what I mean in a minute, that she believes belong to her Callan ancestors, but I'm going to do some extra investigation on the US side and see if it yields more clues to help us rule in or rule out any further Irish records she discovers. And I've laid the letter out in the form of a conversation, and Karina will read Catherine's part of the letter. My name is Catherine Clifford and I live in the anthracite mining region of Pennsylvania in the USA. I've been tracing my family ancestry for about 10 years and I'm especially interested in my earliest Irish emigrant ancestors, John Callahan and Joanna Mara Callahan. Nice to meet you, Catherine. And just to let you know that your own surname Clifford is also found in quantity in counties Kerry and Limerick. I did not know that. Thanks, Mike. Now, I do not know the dates or places of birth of John and Joanna, but I do know they were married on the 22nd of November in 1817 in the Church of St. Mary's in Killarney, County Kerry. The witnesses were J. O'Connor and Dennis Callaghan. Now, I did see that record. However, I do wonder how you made the leap from the US to this specific marriage record. I often notice that people examine Irish records looking for a baptismal date that sort of matches one of their ancestors. Then they find a possible match and then say, that's the one. Now, I look forward to examining more source documentation with you in the green room. However, let us agree that the marriage record you mentioned is indeed a possibility at this point. And according to the baptismal records of the Church of St. Mary's in Killarney in Kerry, their nine children were Mary, born in 1819, Daniel in 1824, John in 1825, Cornelius in 27, Bartholomew in 1830, Michael 
1832, Eileen in 1836, John in 1839, and Patrick in 1842. Okay, let's remind ourselves, so Bartholomew is the ancestor that you're particularly looking for. So it's great to have those records. And I wonder if all of those children headed to the USA or did Bartholomew travel by himself? Well, the Bartholomew listed above, Mike, is my great-great-grandfather and he married Frances Haggerty on the 4th of June, 1854 at St. Patrick's Church in Pottsville, Schuylkill County, Pennsylvania. Uh, Bartholomew worked then in the anthracite mines in and around Pottsville, Schuylkill County, Pennsylvania. And there's a family story that Bartholomew and Frances met on the ship on the way to America. And I'm trying to find out more information on Joanna Mara Callahan and Francis Hegarty. But I'd also like to find the descendants of the Callahan line. Now, how interesting. I think it's always worth listening to those family stories. Uh, there's often more than a grain of truth contained within. But next, I'd like to unpack some of the information you provided and then look at available US records to see if they confirm your presumption that your Callahans were married in Killarney in 1817. Okay, so the starting fact, well, the first definite fact I see is that Bartholomew Callahan married Frances Hegarty in 1854, and they lived in Schuylkill County area of Pennsylvania. Okay, so I had a look at various ancestry trees and ancestry.com and found a number of trees that contained this family. I noticed that most have their earliest records being the 1880 U.S. federal census, and many of the trees go back no further. So let's start with the 1880 census in the U.S. and work our way back and see what we can find for the Callahan family. So, 1880. Okay, at that point in the U.S. federal census, the family are living in Cass, Schuylkill County, and in the household we have, yep, there we see Bartholomew, aged 52, and Fanny, which is essentially the same as Francis, aged 46. And then we see a number of children. We see Dennis, Catherine, Patrick, James, William, Mary and Sarah from age 22 all the way down to two. Now that's a lot of children and there's plenty of gaps between the ages indicating that some children may not have survived. You know, many Irish people at the time followed a naming pattern. In other words, naming, for example, the eldest son after the paternal grandfather and so on. Now, in this case, the eldest boy is named Dennis, which would suggest that Bartholomew's father was also Dennis if they followed this pattern. But naming patterns offer only clues rather than definite things. But it's definitely something to give us something to work on there, Mike, isn't it? Absolutely. And you know, Karina, it's more useful than you might imagine. It really does fall in to be true more often than not. Excellent. Now, that was the 1880 census. But let's see if we can work back in time and go back 10 years to the 1870 census. Now, this one was actually farther, certainly for harder rather for me to find because Bartholomew was misspelt and he was down as Batista. Oh, that's an unusual spelling for Bartholomew. Well, you know, that comes down to kind of uh, joined up writing, transcription, all sorts of things, Corinne, you know. And at that point, the family, again, are in cast in Schuylkill County. And in the household, we have the aforementioned Batista or Bartholomew. We see Francis. So that's the first kind of real clue this is correct. And we also find many of the children listed in the 1880 census, except they're all 10 years younger. But here's the thing. As well as the family, we also see a 
Patrick Haggerty, aged 70, and a Mary Haggerty, aged 70 also. So, who are the Haggertys in this household? Are they a husband and wife? Are they Francis's or Fanny's parents? Are they an uncle and aunt? Are they something other? Notice that the second boy, Karina, this comes back to naming patterns, in 1880 is called Patrick. And Irish naming patterns suggest that this second boy is named after the maternal grandparent, Patrick. Who we see is there in the 1860 yeah. census at age 87. So, well, we'll come down to that in a minute, yeah. So, but I'm more kind of talking about the 1870 census in this case. And in that case, we see that uh, Patrick, and in fact, sorry, just to cut across you there, the Patrick you mentioned actually has a Callahan rather than a Haggerty. So what we'll do is just go back and say it again. So in the 1870 census, we see a Patrick Haggerty 870. And naming patterns suggest that this may indeed be the name of the father of Francis. Now, however... Let's now see if we can go back a little bit further. So we've gone from 1880 back to 1870, and now let's see if we can go back to 1860. And in the 1860 census, the family are in Cask in Schuylkill County, and in the household, we have, oh my gosh, here's, here we see another mistranscription. So we have a P. Callaghan as the head of the household, which we surmise is actually Bartholomew, not Partholomew. But the reason we know that is because we also see alongside him a Fanny Callaghan, so a correct name for his wife, and we see correct two of the children, one Catherine and one Dennis at the correct ages. But this time, we yes. see something different. We see a Mary Callaghan and a Patrick Callaghan, Mary aged 80 and a Patrick aged 87. Now, I'm assuming, as I mentioned, this is the correct family because of the presence of the two eldest children, as well as Fanny Francis. But who are those elder Callaghans? This is a mystery that needs to be solved before we jump across the sea to Ireland. So let's see if we can go back another 10 years. And we're really trying it on here. So we're going to try to go back to the 1850 census. And in this case, I just, no, I just couldn't find a Bartholomew. And remember that himself and Fanny were married in 1857 after that census. But I did find a household in Schuylkill County. And in that household, I notice members of a Sullivan family. But I also see down there at age 20, a Fanny Haggerty living with them, who was born in Ireland. Now, this is a possibility. That is our Fanny. This is our Fanny Francis. Correct. Yeah. So this is uh, before she was married, so she's still named Haggerty as well. So this may not be our Fanny Haggerty, but the location, age and name suggests a strong possibility. And as a bonus, just next door, a little further up the page, was a Callaghan family who were a couple in their early 30s, which uh, is, a, is kind of a strong indicator that there was... Um, she met somebody in that extended Callan family. So using this census information, okay, I want to line up available facts, probabilities and possibilities following the arrival of the Callans in the US so we would have more information to uncover probabilities as, Catherine, as to who Catherine was when we look at the Irish records. Okay, as to where Catherine looks at the Irish records. Okay, so... Catherine, Catherine Clifford, I suggest that you need to get to the bottom of the above information before looking further at records in Ireland. And by the way, there's a whole, as far as I'm concerned, there's a rich source of different type of information there for you to look up. 
to rule in, to rule out, ask questions, because we have strong contenders there for possibly the parents, in this case of both Bartholomew and Francis, or indeed kind of uh, close relations, and we need to establish that in the US. So, um, okay, so I do suggest that you have a look at those, uh, Catherine. And of course, Pam Holland, a US-based genealogist in the Green Room, will be happy to give you pointers to help. Well, Mike, it looks like uh, I have lots to go on there. And I'd like to also say that I had four wonderful trips myself to Ireland. I visited Killarney and got to walk the lane where I to- was told was the old, where the old St. Mary's Church was located. Good for you, Catherine. You know, Killarney is a busy town these days, one of the most beautiful settings in the world. It was just emerging as a tourist destination a few short years after your Callaghan ancestors, who you think may be yours at least, left the area. So thank you very much for letting me use your story to illustrate a very important first step, which is before examining ancestral records in Ireland, it's important to flesh out all available facts and guesses following your ancestors' arrival in the US or Australia, Canada, New Zealand, South Africa, UK, etc. And before do that before making the leap back across to Ireland. I look forward to seeing how your ancestral journey develops here in the Green Room. Listening to Mike's advice there to both Catherine and Jim, I noticed that he sounded a warning that kind of highlights, I think, common mistake that we help people overcome quite a bit in the green room. And that mistake is easily made when you're searching at a distance and you're looking for your Irish heritage. You may be in Australia and Canada, New Zealand, and there you are at a distance trying to make sense of records. For Jim, in the first letter today, we see how Mike urged him to reconsider his own local records in the US to gather as much evidence as he could about his O'Neill family and all of that about his paternal great-grandfather Lawrence O'Neill before he started looking in Ireland. So it's always too easy to try and make a record fit. But as you say, gathering the evidence in the country you reside in goes a long way to finding your own Irish family and not another of a similar name. And for Catherine in the second letter, this letter again illustrated where Mike put great emphasis on the importance of examining the records that you have in your home country before searching for relevant Irish records. Great advice all round. And I see that this coupled with the help of our green room genealogists has brought many members through the pitfalls, ensuring they reach back to the correct set of Irish ancestors. Well, listeners, time has flown and that brings us to the end of our show with those two wonderful letters from Ireland called Making the Leap Back to Ireland and Where Should You Start in Your Search for an Irish Ancestor? If any of the items we mentioned in the show, you'd like to know more about them, why don't you check out the link at a letterfromireland.com forward slash 504. So till then, Slán Gafol, and thanks, Mike, for dropping in. He provided two wonderful letters for us there to help us locate our ancestors and discover more about their lives and times. Thanks to you listeners for your company on the letter today. And thanks to all our friends in the green room and those people that read our letter each week on The Letter from Ireland. I hope, listeners, you enjoy the show. And if you'd like to find out about your own Irish relatives, why don't you connect with us and discover more in the link at aletterfromireland.com forward slash 504. Till we chat again, here's a lovely Irish blessing. Tho gabuggy. 
Take it easy and we look forward to you joining us again next time on the Letter from Ireland show. If you've enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, we'd like to invite you to check out our special membership area, the Green Room. You hear us mention it a lot during the show and you can find full details of the Green Room at letterfromireland.com forward slash Green Room. Our green room is the essential resource for anybody at any stage in researching their Irish heritage because it's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and really connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. In the green room, you get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a very supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The green room is the perfect place to be for anybody starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So why don't you come and join us there at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. That's it for me, but I'll be back next time with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. And I really look forward to chatting to you then. Slán Gafol, Karina.